Bases loaded. Two out. Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tie game! Big Poppy! The Grand Slam! This is our fucking city. Hey, Jerry. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, nice game one today, Julian Zavaris. <laughs> I, just, I just fell off the table, that's why I'm laughing. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. All right, we're back. It is a brand new episode, but also the season finale of season one of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. The uh, Boston Red Sox are playing their final three games of the season beginning tonight live from Fenway Park against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then this season will mercifully come to an end. Before we get into that, and by the way, too, this is not going to be a sad pod. We're going to try to make this a happy pod, but it is kind of difficult when your baseball team is in last place. Having said that, I am joined by a full crew. We have Jamie in the car. Jamie, how's it going? We're doing good, you know, taking the work break to do this lovely episode. Jamie is recording in the car in the dark. Miggy this week is not in a Porta John. Or the porta potty. He's in, a, he's in a house this time. Miggy, what's going on? Well, what's up? I'm ready to go watch the small movie after this, so that'll be fun. Are you going to like the theaters, or you can like stream it somewhere? Fire stick. Oh, fire stick. Okay. And last but not least, we have Steve here. What's going on? Howdy, howdy. I'm about to finish the Dahmer series, so we're all, all going down the horror path. <laughs> We talked about it just kind of like the horror show season we just witnessed. The Dahmer series I found like was absolutely like I thought it was a great series that Netflix put on. But don't you get like the vibe that someone's gonna try to copycat this shit now that it's so like mainstream and try to like get into the uh the public eye? And I just got that weird feeling. There is like a serial killer alert out in like Southern California right now where there's a dude that's killed five people. Oh, well, that's welcoming news. Being well, out of to be a sad pod. I thought we were going to be a happy, I thought we were going to be a happy pod. If hey, you know, I'm in Salem stuff. right now and there's a bunch of people wearing masks and, and hats and stuff. And now I'm a little freaked <laughs> out to go outside. Right. You're assuring. Um, all right. So we'll get ready. <laughs> Look, this season did not go the way that anybody thought it would we didn't think as as a as a fan base of the red sox would be a last place team uh but here we are but here we are that's where the red sox finished or and will finish this year it's, it's their fifth last place finish in the last 11 seasons um the second under the Bloom banner you do have to count 2020 regardless of it being a 60 game season um, kind of sucked. It kind of sucked because, you know, being two wins away from going to the World Series, six wins from winning the World Series, we came into 2022 with a with a with a um, boatload of optimism, 
And we've gotten to the point where we can't wait until the season is over. But really quick, just kind of get your feeling on it. If you could kind of just sum up the Red Sox season in just kind of like a quick little snippet, what would you say? We'll start with Miggy. We'll start with Steve because Miggy's got a mouthful of food. <laughs> uh, I think it started off pretty optimistic. Everybody was thinking that they were just going to shake off the rust and kind of figure it out. They were pretty, you know, pretty good at first, right? So I was feeling pretty confident overall and hoping to see some of the guys who ended up getting demoted hit a stride and really have a career year, guys like Dalbeck and stuff. To see those guys get shot down the AAA, called back up. I mean, it did not go as I expected at all. It's been an interesting ride, especially the trade deadline. <clears throat> Miggy's still eating. A trade deadline, uh, man. A trade deadline, man. That was, I mean, that was weird. I just popped this warhead in. I think the season would probably match up with the way that warhead was. Popped it in, pretty sour start of the season. Very, the April, May stretch was very meh you get towards the little chewy part of the warhead start to enjoy a little bit more that was in the one month of excitement that we had in june and shit just went downhill from there and that's how you would describe a warhead that's exactly how i would describe that warhead (laughs) okay um i would go with pain followed by more pain um, uh, but you know, the last couple of weeks, a little less pain, just because seeing guys like Bayo and Cassis kind of get their first stints and make adjustments, um, in the majors, and you know, kind of work through those rookie struggles. I'll go with uh, happiness and say like pain, and then optimism for what those two guys can do in a full season, um, with guys like Rafi and whoever else they bring in since Bloom told Kike that they're gonna win next year. So it's going to be a fun offseason. It's going to have to be um, because, you know, there's there's a massive portion of the fan base, even high moon supporters that I think are down. And they're, they're very skeptical of what this team is going to do. Um, I For me, you know, I, I still think that, you know, I think as a collective group here, we're pretty aligned when it comes to we we want to see this high bloom development of how he's going to you know do this team continue on. But he needs to take a massive portion um, of the blame. He didn't build and construct a good bullpen. Um, he theoretically, from the outside, waited way too long to make moves during the regular season. He had an opportunity in June when his team had like the third best record in baseball, and he didn't do it. Um, he's got to rebuild relationships from what it seems like on the surface with, um, with his, with his team on the field. And he can do that really quick by starting by re-signing Xander Bogarts. But, um, there's a lot of people too that want Xander to go, but you know, who knows? So, and the other thing too, guys, is like the players, I feel like a lot of the players are kind of like skating with this season. You know what I mean? Like, um, guy like jd martinez whose power just disappeared power's gone we have no idea why stuff like that um you know chris Big, Smith, who, who else 
Yeah, Pavetta shit in the bed against the AL East teams. Yeah, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna go over that in, in a second. Um, but I don't know. It just definitely wasn't. Um, this should have been a much different season. This should have been. We're we're about to start the playoffs in what a week? Not even. Red Sox should be in the playoffs. There should be no reason why that a team that spent the, like in, in the top five for payroll and they're literally going to be playing golf in about three days. It's unacceptable. Red Sox need to get their shit together because if we experience another season next year, we're going to be talking about who the new GM is going to be and so forth and so on. And if they do hot take right now, October 3rd, if the Red Sox were to move on from Bloom, you want to know who I think is going to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox? Alex Cora. Mark it down now. What? Mark it down that's, now. That's wow. That's Mark out there. Down <laughs> All right. So speaking of, hey, Nick Pavetta, he absolutely was horrendous against the American League East this season. So, gentlemen, can the Red Sox afford to not explore, like they have to explore trading him in this offseason? You can't have a pitcher in your starting rotation who makes half his starts against your divisional opponents and have an ERA just under seven. Here's, here's yeah. my theme behind that, though. Next next year, don't we go to the schedule we play the AL East less? We do, which makes it even more important that the games that he was to pitch against the American League East, even more valuable. The Red Sox ever- have, in my opinion, you cannot have one of your starters who makes every start and go against the teams in your division with an ERA just, just south of seven can't happen. I'm not saying they have to trade Nick Pavetta. They need to 100% explore trading Nick Pavetta because he's not getting any younger. I think in our heads, we think that he's like 27 kids going to be 30 next year. The only value he has right now is the fact that he has two years of control beyond that. I'd rather them go and re-sign Ethan Ivaldi and extend Michael Waka and bring back the old man and see what else he can kind of do. Floor's back open. Yeah. I mean, for me, when it comes to Pivetta, I feel like he's a little overrated, to be honest with you. On a playoff team, he's probably your four or five. That's like if, what he should be. You know, you know um, I feel like Sox fans have kind of overrated him a little bit. Um, obviously he's been counted on at times this year to kind of be the ace with the injuries and whatnot they had going on. Um, he did have a stretch there when he was brilliant and then he came back to earth. But I just think, you know, if the stocks want to get back to the playoffs, you have to look at him as a back end starter who can give you, you know, solid innings. Sometimes he can be stellar. Um, other times he can be the pitcher we've seen the last couple of weeks. And that's just who this guy is. What are your thoughts on if we sit into the bullpen? because he's a starter. You know how I mean, you'd probably – I feel like you'd probably be better out of the pen, but then you have a hole in the rotation. I mean, like, to Chris's point, if they were to explore moving off from him this offseason, I don't think that's a significant loss. You know, I think they probably do have to get someone to upgrade the rotation that you can slot before him regardless. Yeah, it's a solid piece to be had for him. I don't see why he wouldn't explore the option. I mean – I feel like part of Pavetta's problem is he's a little bit of a head case. I think we've seen that mental side of him throughout the uh, two seasons he's pitched in Boston. And um, 
he's probably sitting there thinking, you know, wow, I need to pitch like I'm a top starter, even though theoretically he might be more like you guys were saying to be a back end starter. So I think if they were to go out and uh, get a few pieces that could make the front end a little better, he might feel like the pressure is coming off a little bit and he might be able to kind of get back to uh, where people would expect him to be in a regular starting rotation. So, so I, I agree. I agree. I, so, so to Miggy, I, I'm going to say, no, he's not a reliever and I'm not putting him in the bullpen. Cause when you get a guy who expects to be a starter and is, and is, he's a big league starter. He's just not a good big league starter for the role that he played this year. The Red Sox relied on him. He had that 10 game stretch. He was brilliant. We talked about on the podcast about him going to the all-star game. We even talked about, should he start the all-star game? Like he was like what, 10 and one or whatever it was like, he was, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball and then the wheels just came right off. And again, Boston can't have that. You, you need, again, I'm not saying you need five ones either, but. Uh, what were his numbers last season? I'll be honest with you. It's been a long year. It was kind of, I mean, it was the same as this year. He had a, you know, solid start. Um, and then kind of. The I was going to put the on it. This year, he's had to be the guy for the Sox. Just with everybody, all the injuries coming in and out. So maybe, as to Steven's point, he had that mental part of it too. He felt the, the load on his back this season. I don't know. I feel like this is who he is, though. I mean, you look at his time in Philly, there's times with the Phillies when he showed great stuff. And then he struggled, and they ended up, you know, obviously dealing him. He is yeah, and that's probably a lot of the people's biggest gripes. With, with Pavetta is that they can see him be that brilliant starter that he has shown and can be at times, but then he can also be this guy who will give up seven earned runs over four innings and people just can't really, it's frustrating, you know, as a fan watching a guy like that or a coach even, and uh, just not really knowing which Pavetta you're going to get for that day. And it's been very evident, like you said, Chris, that in the AL East, he has not shown up to be the Pavetta that everyone expects him to be. So that's definitely a glaring uh, issue in his uh, ability to compete in this division right now. He's a career 500. Um, he's a career five ERA. He's a below 500 record wise. I mean, the majority of that came when his time with Philadelphia. Um, the reason why I think Red Sox fans are in the ones that are so high on him is because he was the best out of that Brandon Workman, and Heath Henry heist that they had. Um, and that's what that comes like to me, in my opinion, what it comes down to look again, I'm not advocating the freedom. I'm merely saying they need to 100% explore what's out there. If the Red Sox don't sign a guy like Aaron judge, and they put that money towards Xander Bogarts and other pieces, then I dangle Pavetta out there and see if I can get a, a right fielder for this team or something to that nature, or you maybe you turn them into prospects or whatever it is you want to do. Um, but the reason why I think he won't get traded is because of the fact he's got two years of control and he's very, very cost-friendly. And I think the more cost-friendly guys you have, the better, because it's going to allow, it's going to allow them to spend money in other places. So um, I don't know. It just Nick Pavetta has been a massive disappointment for, for me. Um on the flip side, we'll stay in the rotation now. It seems like that 
it's pretty much kind of etched in stone in a lot of uh, people's heads that the Red Sox are going to put Chris Sale back at the top of the rotation coming into next year. So my question, and I'll start it with Miggy, should Chris Sale, is he a lock to be the number one starter for the Boston Red Sox in 2023? To be the number one starter, just depending on what we bring in during the offseason, even though I still don't think you can rely on him. We have this conversation all the time with his injuries. So, I mean, you bring it up all the time, pencil him into that. Go ahead and bring you an extra guy in because you can almost guarantee he might see a little bit of time on Lyle. He's not your number one next year. I mean, he's been that guy for years and years. And then I think, what, 2019 is when things started to go sour? I mean, he's he's getting to that point where, you know, guy with the frame like that, super tall, super skinny, throwing that fast, it's going to take, uh, take a toll on your body. And um, he's in his early to mid-30s now, right? Um I don't think that that's going to pan out. That contract isn't going to go um, as Dombrowski had expected it to go, you know, like a full, however long that extension was, he's not going to be as efficient um, at the tail end. And uh, he got out at a good time because people might still point fingers at at Dombrowski, but um, ultimately it somehow always falls on the current management you know, they're pointing the fingers at, at them for any any player that's currently on that team. Um, but Chris, that being said, I mean, Chris Sale just is not going to be your number one guy next year. Um, I think that Evaldi over the last two years, three years, has been more of a uh, efficient and uh, reliable top guy than we've seen out of Chris Sale. So should they bring back Evaldi? He'll more than likely be your number one unless they make a big, you know, really big splash and surprise a lot of people, which is what we're all kind of hoping for, I think. I was looking at I mean, I agree with kind of, you know, what Stephen McGee have been saying. I would, if I was to write the rotation out today, I would probably put him as the number three highest. You know, he kind of has to earn back being the top of the rotation, just with being able to show that he can stay healthy. Um, So, you know, if I could pencil him in today, I'd say probably – maybe like borderline or kind of like on the edge of that two and three, depending on who they bring in, but definitely not the ace. I feel like that's probably going to be Bayo, not next year, but kind of as we look towards maybe like 2024 or a year from now. I was looking at the Phillies right now, since you mentioned Dave Dabrowski, and I was going to see if like we could do a bad contract for a bad contract because Chris Sale is going to be 34 when the season begins next year. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a move that can be made. I mean, they can just easily swap Chris Sale for Kyle Schwarber and be done with it. And now you have your DH. Now you have your DH and you're all set. Um, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm kind of happy that this wasn't going to be a debate. I was ready to fight this because I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, I, I just, I'm happy that we're in agreement that it's time to put the Chris Sale is an ace to bed because Chris Sale, it's not the same sale that was cutting up jerseys and that was striking out 300. This is a different guy. And if I would like for him to have pressure on him, but not the pressure of having to lead the staff, he can still be a leader and not be a number one. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So um, let's uh, really quick here. Cause we're going to start to wind this down. Um, 
Dennis Eckersley, this is his last couple of games. He's going to move on, retire from the booth. Any feelings, sentiments on just Eck and really the um, kind of like the Nesson team this year in general? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to miss Eck. It's going to be def- definitely different him in the booth, um, not just because of his baseball knowledge, but his personality and sometimes the thing he says that makes absolutely no sense and no one knows what he's talking about, but you kind of just take it in because that's the experience. Um, especially the guy like O'Brien, who is the most emotional broadcaster in the baseball world. Uh, but I mean, you know, I kind of like what they did this year, how they filtered in different players, whether it was Middlebrooks, um, Euclid, you know, how they kind of switched that up. And um, also Mike Monaco is a guy who they've used the last two years. So I love when he calls games. So it's going to be weird without Eck, but if they can keep kind of former players, maybe work Monaco um, in more then I feel like that's the – that will be interesting to listen to next year. Steve. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. I'm going to miss that, dude. I mean, you know, we won't have any more beef between players and uh, play-by-play guys, which is going to be a sad a sad uh, thing to think about, you know. <laughs> no more uh, Price calling out anybody, you know. Um, I, I, I just – kind of hope that they find somebody who can sort of match that energy. Somebody, he doesn't have to come out and say all this random crap that makes no sense, even though I love it. But somebody that kind of has that character and charisma that can fill that void, which isn't going to be easy to do. But I feel like they've filtered in, like you guys were saying, they filtered in some people who might be uh, fit to uh, kind of take take over in his role. Um, like Eucalyst, especially, was somebody who I really thought was a good time, you know, busting out the Tupac socks one game, <laughs> stuff like that. He's a funny guy. So I hope that he returns next year. Um, I will miss you, Eck, if you can hear this. <laughs> Maybe. It's going to be weird not hearing those weird things. I never really understood what in the world that meant. Uh, then going on Twitter and reading it from the Xionary, that that Twitter page, uh, I feel like X was that great guy that, in a season like this, you'd still tune in just to listen to, just to hear any different stuff he has to say about him. So as long as we don't have a bad season next year, I feel like it'll be a, the national booth next year will be kind of okay. Yeah, I um I'm gonna miss Zach. I, I thought he did a I thought he did a pretty good job. Um I thought he was entertaining. Um his, you know, ek isms and the action uh, the actionary or however you want to say it. Um you know, we use them, everybody, I mean, people use his terms in tweets and everything else. Um, you know, he definitely added something to the booth and um, he was a very good replacement when, when Remy gets sick. And, uh, you know, it is unfortunate that really in a two-year span, we're going to lose Remy, obviously he passed, but losing Eckersley, who's going to retire. Um, but it's a good opportunity for some guys. Kevin Euclid was pretty good. Um, I think Will Middlebrooks is going to provide some value um still wouldn't mind seeing some other people sprinkled in there i'm actually not down on tony maserati like people have been i think that the cool thing to do is to hate on tony maserati um i thought he didn't do bad now i don't want him to be doing all you know 81 games or you know at home or something like that i thought he i thought he brought some value to the to the uh, red sox booth so um and i probably would say you know let's not sleep on brock holt he got two what two appearances as a Nesson analyst. 
he could very much be in the booth. And I think that if the Red Sox are looking to find a way to get people to tune into the TV show known as the Red Sox on Nesson, then why not have Brock Holt open up the season with Mike Monaco or Dave O'Brien, whoever you want to do it, because people are going to tune in because they want to listen to Brock Holt. So you want a hot take? It's not as hot as your core take because that's just like that's gonna be the hottest take for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be Monaco is the one who kind of replaces Ecker, gets the majority of that. I could see it being like O'Brien, Monaco a lot of the times, and kind of um, you know, former players when they want to add in that unique analysis. But I do kind of feel like Monaco is gonna get a significant shot. Do like they do on the radio. On the radio, they sometimes do that, where like Castiglione will do a couple innings, and they'll have someone else do a couple. Uh, Fleming will do some innings. Do that if you need to. I think a portion of the Red Sox fan base is out on Dave O'Brien, and you know that's fine. I'm it's whoever was going to replace you know uh, Orsillo was was going to have a tough road ahead of them, and O'Brien isn't exactly a fan favorite from that perspective, so. But um, but yeah, definitely going to uh, going to miss Eck in the booth. So, gentlemen, we are uh, this is going to we're winding it down. Season finale. Uh, we actually record what, Mickey, was it 34, 35? Uh, my phone's over there right now. Well, it's 35. Yeah, 35 episodes in the first season. Um, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has either subscribed to the podcast, everybody who has listened to the podcast. We do appreciate um, your feedback, support. Um, It's kind of crazy to think that the stuff that we talked about, the amount of people who listened to that over the course of this season, um, you know, again, we're not the the type of show that's going to go and say we had X amount of people who listened because I feel like that should just be kept in-house. But... um, but with that being said, we do appreciate all that. So thank you to everybody who has done that. If you have not already done so, head over to iTunes and search Obstructed View. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get the latest episodes. It'll drop. We will be recording during the off season. This is not going to be a, a podcast. It's just going to shut it down and then start back up when the season begins. We're going to keep this train going. Also, I was getting emotional there for a second. What is it? That goodbye. I got a little emotional there before you dropped that line in. No, 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 no. It feels like goodbye. It's just, it's just episode. It's just season one. It's like a Netflix series. It's just season one in the books. While you're there, head over to uh, Apple and uh, type in Sox Specs and get our Red Sox Minor League podcast. There is a brand new episode that just dropped this week. Jamie had a one-on-one interview with Sox prospect Tyler Dearden. It's 17 minutes long. It is a nice, quick, in-and-out podcast. You can listen to it on the ride to work, on the train, at your desk, in wherever you listen to your podcast. It's quick. You'll be in and out. A lot of really insightful um, information in there with, uh, with Tyler and more to come. So, gentlemen, any final last words as we close out Season one, season two will return soon, but for season one, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with uh, Jamie. It was, you know, it was a fun, it was a fun season. I always love talking baseball with the fellas and inserting Vanessa Carlton lyrics and other random stuff that popped up from time to time. Um, but, you know, it's just the start. We've dealt, we've got a lot of, um, a lot of progress with this. We've had some cool people on. And season one is just the start of some very special things.
Um, go Bruins. Yeah, it's hockey. Hockey time. Shorthanded takes. Brand new Bruins podcast. Have to be on the monster little crew right there. Head over to uh, Apple and uh, subscribe there too. Steve. It was uh, finally long overdue, long overdue. I'm happy we finally got to do this and it's been a pleasure working with you boys. Can't wait to get to work and do more. Hopefully we have some more positive stuff to report on next time around. Like, you know, every single episode, that'd be great. <laughs> I think free agency with, with how much money that the team has available to them this off season, all the holes that need to be filled. I think we, this could be a, a happy off season. There's no strike. There's no lockout. There's no like, unless something stupid happens and COVID part two rears an ugly head, like there's nothing coming up. That's going to, you know, derail what should be a good off season for the Boston Red Sox. Last but not least we have Mickey. Man. I think it would have been a long season if we didn't get to sit here and join every Tuesday. Monday, in this case, talk with each other, talk socks, all the interesting stuff on and off the pod. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for everybody that listened, and hopefully we have be- a better season next year. Yeah, um, like I said, thank you, everybody. Uh, this is not goodbye. This is just end of season one. Um, season two will be out very, very soon. Like I said, make sure that you check out our brand-new hockey podcast, which is not new, but it's been around uh, last year with Couch Guy Sports, but we have now transitioned from Couch Guy to Beyond the Monster. So it's been myself, Jeff Hoke, Kevin Ferdios with the Short It Takes Bruins podcast. Uh, that season two puck will drop on that for our first episode. I want to say in like 10 days, um, we're going to be very active with the Sox Specs podcast. And I would be really remiss if I didn't talk about Podside Kick, our football podcast, who we've done two episodes. We're going to get that train we're going we're gonna to get that train rolling again. Um, and if you stuck around for this long, we are uh, going to be in the market to be adding to the Beyond the Monster group, looking for people who are interested in writing about the Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots, and potentially podcasting. So if there's an interest and you've gotten this far in this episode, send myself or any one of the guys a DM and we'll be in contact. Gentlemen. Any one of the perks? Oh, this perks. They get to talk with us like every day of the week, which I think is very good. And you don't have to pay for it unless we start a GoFundMe, but that's besides the point. Me and Chris will send you dog pics. Yeah, but you will send dog pics and demonic clowns at like 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You do do that. All right. Well, that is the uh, (laughs) season over, literally.